Here we go. Okay. Hey, everybody. Uh, first of all, just a couple housekeeping things. Uh, welcome to the new version of the podcast. Uh, I'm going with the Electric Sheep podcast for now. And as far as I know, this is going to be the last move. Because uh, still willing to experiment and change and try new ideas and the latest idea is uh to actually separate into two different podcasts so we started out me and charlie talking having conversations and we're thinking that that's going to be its own thing so if you're here for that uh check out growing up podcast the growing up podcast that's also on soundcloud uh and that's where we have the long form conversations and this the electric sheep podcast is going to be where i uh review recommend talk about the books that i'm reading uh that i finish as i finish them i i do a sort of 15 10 to 20 minute review of them telling you a little bit about them so if it comes up at a party you can pretend like you read it i'm thinking that i read the books so you don't have to so, on with the show. First book I finished this week is called Glittering Images, and it's by Camille Paglia. Hope I'm saying, I hope I'm saying her name right. It's got a G in there, but I think it's silent. Uh, and she's a prof, I'm pretty sure. Well, no, I know she's a prof. I don't know what classes she teaches. I think she's at the University of Philly, but I don't know. You have to fact check all that stuff. But it was uh, published in 2012, and it's uh, nonfiction, and it's, I guess it's byline, sub subtitle, is A Journey Through Art from Egypt to Star Wars. And on the back, this is the blurb. Modern life is a sea of images, with so much visual data bombarding us from personal devices to mass media. Our brains must rapidly adapt to make sense of it all. Here to guide us is America's premier intellectual provocateur, Camille Paglia. In these pages, Paglia returns to the subject that made her famous, situating our current visual environment within the epic scope of all art history. With trademark audacity, Paglia tours, more than, tours through more than two dozen seminal paintings, sculptures, architectural styles, performance pieces, and digital artworks that have transformed our world. Combining close analysis with historical context, she trains our eyes. She trains our eye to each image, from an Egyptian tomb to Jackson Pollock's abstract green silver to Renee Cox's daring performance piece, Chillin' with Liberty. And in her stunning conclusion, she declares the avant-garde tradition dead and film director George Lucas the world's greatest living artist. Written with energy, erudition, and wit, glittering images will profoundly change the way we see. It's awesome. Uh, it's, I don't read, I have read a few books on art. Um, I read a really good one about modernism called Modernism by Peter Gay, I think. Uh, and that covered all kinds of art. I'm trying to remember what else. Oh, I read. Um, one by Berger 
the way we see or how we see or something like that. And that was also really good. But I haven't read that many. And this was unique to what I've read uh, where it was, yeah, like 20 some pieces. Each chapter is a piece of art, normally a painting. And there's like a nice color full page picture of it and then two or three pages about it given a context of it and then going into real detail about the actual technical execution of it and how it looks on the i mean you could almost read it without seeing it and get an idea of the painting she it, her ability to conjure up a visual image with words on a page was absolutely beautiful i thought and just really impressive her her range of vocabulary was amazing um and it's a pretty it's pretty highbrow but it's not like offensively so it doesn't make you feel like an idiot but she treats you as if you're smart and you're gonna probably not know a couple words in each essay uh there's a lot of art history in there and talking about Rococo and Baroque and shit like that. And I had to Google quite a lot just to double check or just to figure out what the hell she was talking about. But it wasn't like, I mean, it was written in 2013, so it's not like old school art writing. Um, but yeah, whole just everything from, I'm just looking through the contents. So there's like Queen Nefertari, uh, Egyptian tomb painting uh and then like through greek and religious and uh then into the sort of more like we know from museums with like impressionists and picasso of course um but a lot of painters and paintings that you wouldn't expect like when it's picasso it's not it's the demoiselle d'avignon uh, Les Demoiselles d'Avignon, yeah. So uh, there were many others that I kind of expected for her to choose from each of the painters that I knew, at least. There were a lot of painters I didn't know, probably more than half of them, to be honest. I just know modernism quite well. Um, and then it gets into the performance, film, uh, kind of <laughs> super more experimental postmodernist when things really went to shit in the art world and yeah she ends with um talking about star wars a scene in one of the star wars movies and it's weird it's like she talks about how pop art and advertising have kind of fucked over the vis the painting uh and image side of art and uh what's left the sort of area or arena that's left for people to really just create art is in film. And she just chose George Lucas and star Wars as like the biggest and best version of it. And, uh, yeah, I was like, it says it on the front of the book that it's all the way a journey to star Wars through art from Egypt to star Wars. And I read at the back what it says about George Lucas. And I was kind of like, what the hell? <laughs> that's not art. It's just a blockbuster Hollywood movie, but the final essay, it's cool because she springboards off of talking about Star Wars into just talking about the future of art and what is art, pretty much. It's, it's kind of a more general conclusion essay as well, so 
if you don't want to read the whole thing, I would recommend just start with that. And if you like that, read the rest of it. Uh, but yeah, it was awesome. It's like, I feel like I could have a good conversation about art at a, at a pub or something like that now. Um, and I, I just love art. So if you love art, check it out. If you don't, maybe check out that last essay uh, on on the Star Wars scene um, and see if you agree or not that that's the future of art. So, yeah, I'll just uh, give you the first line. I don't know what it's going to be. Well, I'll give you the first line from the introduction. Modern life is a sea of images. There you go. And that's actually a really nice segue, I think, into our next book uh, that I just finished this morning. And it's, it's a much thicker book, and I actually ripped through it. And uh, I feel like I overdosed on it a little bit, but it was awesome. I couldn't put it down. Um, it's called The Attention Merchants by Tim Wu. The Epic Struggle to Get Inside Our Heads. Nonfiction. And this one's about advertising. So this is what it says on the back. In every moment of our waking lives, we face a barrage of advertising, sponsored social media, commercials, and other efforts to harvest our attention. Few spaces have remained uncultivated by the attention merchants. Tim Wu argues that this is not simply the byproduct of recent inventions, but the end result of more than a century's growth and expansion in the industries that profit from catching our eye. He describes the revolts that have risen against these relentless attempts to influence our consumption, but he makes clear that attention merchants grow ever new heads, and their means of luring us in have given rise to the defining industries of our time, changing our ways, changing, sorry, changing our nature in ways unimaginable even a generation ago. So, continuing along the advertising vein of uh, that Jerry Della something Della Femina book last week, uh, but though I was reading this at the same time, but it took me a little while longer because it's like three hundred and fifty pages. Uh, yeah, it's killer. It's like a potted history of the twentieth and. 21st century all the way up till last year. It was published in 2017. Uh, 2016. But it's like, yeah, all the way up to today through the lens of advertising. And it kind of kicks off with World War, the World War, uh, World Wars, World War One, which is when people kind of talk about this birth of like advertising and propaganda as we know it where people used came up with in britain they came up with these ideas of propaganda to enlist people because they had a they had a way bigger army coming at them than they had at home and they needed to get dudes to sign up as fast as possible so they just figured out propaganda uh and did it they amassed the army they needed and then after the war People who'd worked in it were like, okay, how, how do we use our talents now? There's no fucking enemy to go fight. And they just 
sidestepped into PR. And I think I was talking about Edward Bernays last week, and he was one of the main guys who did it, who figured out you could sell products and control people politically or as consumers through the same techniques that they'd used with uh, conscription and supporting the war and supporting the war effort and all that stuff. And so it sort of goes from there and all the way through. uh, I think it even goes before that. It's like I learned that the, of the origin of the snake oil, snake oil salesman story. And it's like a real guy. There's a guy. There's a dude in the States who I think in the late 1800s, uh, I'm so bad with dates. As soon as I read one, it just goes out the other eye. But <laughs> not that I say that ever, but it goes in one eye and out the other. Um, this dude, traveling salesman going to shows and county fairs and shit like that. He used to sell snake oil and he had a, a cage full of rattlesnakes behind him, live ones, and he'd like grab them and boil them right in front of you and then scrape off the foam shit, oily, foamy stuff. And it was like a tonic or a salve that was supposedly a cure-all, a cure-all sort of thing. So there was literally a dude selling snake oil, and uh, but he got found out that it didn't do shit. And that's kind of the, actually, the sort of, the moral of the story. Um, Tim Wu is great. I really liked his writing style. He's funny, uh, really good at conveying lots of information in clear ways. It kind of reminded me, actually, of hypernormalization and the age of, oh, what the hell is it called? The age of unconscious or the age of... Oh, and I'm going to forget his name now, too. God damn. Adam Curtis. Adam Curtis documentaries, where they're like these super convoluted historical documentaries about a certain chunk of time through the lens of his, like, what he wants to focus on. And he kind of draws all these parallels and actually creates this timeline but it's a very specific timeline and this was all through advertising and pr and people attempting to gain our attention for better or worse and he says at the start and at the end like if this isn't a book about is advertising good or is it bad or is it a necessary evil it's just what it is and how just become aware of it and that'll help us make better decisions about it. But it's not anti-advertising, but it's also not pro. It's not saying there are these sort of like scapegoats that we just uh, blame for all the problems in society. But they're, not, they're also not totally innocent or naive of the fact that they do seriously fuck with the world. Um, and... Yeah, it's sweet. So it goes all the way back to snake oil salesmen wearing cowboy boots at town fairs and stuff like that. And then goes all the way up till the Trump election campaign. That's the last chapter. And he compares him to Obama and he compares him through this idea of attention merchant. I mean, it's what it's called, but it's this idea that people 
it profits you to gain attention. And it doesn't matter how you do it or if what you're selling is right or wrong or it's through a corrupt way or not. But if you hold people's attention longer than other people, you will benefit from that. And that allows you to then decide what's good and what's bad in a way because bad advertising, it's really nice because he, he shows how good advertisers and good uh, ads respect the consumer and respect the, uh, the general population. They don't talk down to them because people see through that and it might work for a short period of time because it's the loudest in the room. But over time, those shitty kind of subconscious or uh, what do they call in movies? Subliminal messages or just like screaming in our face or repeating neon letters 500 feet tall just like flashing right in our eyeballs isn't actually a sustainable way of doing it. So over time you're not going to succeed because yes, you might see like a, a spike, but over time it's the ones that actually provide a benefit. So you get information or a service while being advertised to. And that leads up to the sort of social media. There's the last few chapters are about the internet and then the fourth screen onto the phones and social media, the rise of social media and this idea of, uh, specified like advertising specific to you individually found out through your clicks and tracking your specific data um, but there there's a solid argument that he brings out that it's like well this is actually better um, because you don't if it's done well you actually get useful information that you can translate into profit, personal profit sort of thing, uh, through saving time or getting what you want or not having to fuck around, spending ages discerning which one's the best or things like that. Uh, and also this idea of like you get the service but you for free, like Facebook or something like that, but you pay for it through being advertised to and having your data sold. And I don't want to get into the my whole opinion of because I just don't know, you know. I don't know if it's good or bad. It seems to have gone a little far. And there was a story about and this was from the internet so it was like 10 years ago or something when it was just on computers. But it, I think some guy had been diagnosed with cancer and then he was after doing some searching about it, he was like bombarded with ads about funeral services <laughs> so it's like we we know that we don't we aren't going to do that we shouldn't do that but we also maybe we don't want to go back to some snake oil salesman uh, or just sort of pitch into the lowest common denominator because we need to get as many eyeballs on it as possible so it was a super interesting book, actually. Uh, it opened my eyes to... Like, I love case studies of advertising. I love hearing about old-school ads because uh, I think it's a really interesting way of reflecting the time but also seeing our time in a new way. Like, it was 
in the chapter that was talking about the snake oil salesman, it was talking about these sort of magic potions almost where it's like key secret key ingredient will uh or like grandmother's recipe or more specifically like natural previously undiscovered ingredients and elements and things like that that will are guaranteed to cure all and then he was talking about like antioxidants and uh like a youthful aloe vera or something like that, like uh, create face cream or stuff. Um, and there's and just sort of highlighting these super ingredients of today. And it's like I always think of myself and my society, I guess, as like much more discerning and uh, shrewd consumers because I feel like we like subliminal messaging is in common parlance, and we know we I think we know a hell of a lot more about the advertising game than people used to because it's not even that old. But we think we're kind of above it all. And uh, the more I read about it for, from both sides, the more I realize that uh, if, you th- if the ones, I think the people who think they're above it all are the people who it probably works the best on. Um, but I don't know about that. It's just my hunch here because I like to think that I just buy shit because I've come to that decision, but how the hell do you figure out how you came to a decision? So I'll leave you with that. I'll leave you thinking about how you came to the decision of buying the last thing you bought. So first line, chapter one, the first attention merchants. And this is the kind of, it's, it's dry and it's factual, but uh, it's a hell of an interesting read if you're up for it. So if you're into advertising or want to find out why Trump won, actually, read this book. In the summer of 1833, with the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal, both decades from their first editions, New York City's leading newspaper was the Morning Courier and New York Inquirer a four-page daily with circulation of just 2,600 in a city of almost 300,000. So there you go. Uh, Yeah, I'd definitely recommend them both. Camille Paglia, Glittering Images, and Tim Wu, The Attention Merchants. Sweet. So I hope you uh, learned a little bit about them. And uh, let me know if you've read them, what you thought of them. I'd love to hear it. And I'm coming towards the end of a couple more books. So... Look out for another podcast, the Electric Sheep Podcast. There'll be another one soon. Thanks for listening.